When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spiritually, I'm with you. Financially, I am elsewhere. Sorry. Can we get a shirt? Where's digital spurs when you need them? Spiritually, right. I am with you. Financially, I am not. Equity of up to 150 million pounds. You're on the theater, though. You're here to win games. I want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. We've got a busy pod, despite one fewer game to talk about this weekend. And, uh, we're going to do it with four of my favorite friends. Let's start by throwing out the Todd father himself. He is at TC underscore Cachot on the Twitters. Todd, what's going on, man? You know, Andrew, despite the uh, the somber mood for some, uh, any day that you get to uh, chat with your mates about a Champions League victory and, uh, you know, somebody getting their debut goal, especially when you pay $60 million for them, is a good fucking day. And I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're here as well. Caroline's also with us at CG. Sefco on the Twitters. Kaz, what's going on? Well, I should be happy because I got to sleep in this morning, but I'm not happy about why I got to sleep in this morning, which we will get on to. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. I got to sleep in this morning too, but I that still meant like 6.37 a.m. for me. Uh, but I, I enjoyed that nonetheless. Uh, that was all, all, well, all well and good. Uh, Scott's also here at DSM Spurs gearing up for a big uh iowa iowa state college football match today he's excited about the cyhawk trophy being awarded and uh but but has graciously given some of his time to pod with us so how's it going scott good man big day for the state of iowa for sure got one eye on the screen but uh yeah exciting day for college football definitely bummed there's no spurs but you know completely respect why there's not and we'll get into that but yeah go go cyclones today and i also I caught for the first time that you call us friends, so we we have graduated from coworkers to friends, and that's a massive deal. So I'm I'm you know I'll also need to point that out. Let's let's see how the the college football game goes today. As I said, I'm with you spiritually, but not financially today. So we'll see we'll see how that turns Andrew, out. Andrew put a bet on the Hawkeyes, so we will have, we will we will do. Wow, with that why, why, why are you gonna why are you gonna put the guy in front street like that? Goodness, like we were trying I, to be tongue in cheek here. Golly, I'm not, I'm not I'm not even sure what you mean. What is this betting you speak of? <laughs> you know what? I don't care. Hey, it's completely legal. It's completely legal in the state of Arizona where we're I reside. We're not gonna put so, it. Yeah, and we're not going to be tongue in cheek on this spot, all right? We're going to just say things as they are. All right, that's fair. Fair uh, the fucking on the other side of the track. Yeah, we uh, also have the TC and Kaz Darby tonight in USL. It's going down. See if we're still friends after that. What's the bet there? Is there there a financial wager between in that game or? Uh, not yet. (laughs) That's after pod business, sir. (laughs) We'll get into that after pod. 
Uh, I haven't even gotten through all the the introductions yet, and it feels like I've I've allowed the podcast to get off the rails, mostly to my own doing. But Shuban is also with us at the real Shuban. Shuban, what's going on, man? Hi guys, yes, yeah, good to be on. Shame there's no game to talk about, but hopefully um, things are going to get uh, well back on track, back to normality as it was during those seventy years of rain. And um, yeah, we'll have a game to talk about in, you know coming up next Saturday, and obviously game on Tuesday. Absolutely. And we do, of course, have a game to talk about, but not the game we thought we were going to be talking about uh, as well. And and as you mentioned, we'll, we'll get into that game, the the win over Marseille in a little bit. But before we get to that, obviously, I mean, what else can you say? The Her, Her Majesty the Queen passed away and that causes ripple effects um, throughout the entire United Kingdom, much less premier league football so like that's what we're obviously going to start by talking about here um spurs and man city today's game postponed we'll we'll find out at a later date uh whether or not that you know when when that gets rescheduled in what we know is going to be a busy fixture schedule the rest of the season um still a little bit unsure about next saturday's scheduled match against leicester we're not 100 percent sure it's going to go forward there are a lot of different reports out there that it won't some reports that it, it can but may not may still not maybe it's just games in london because of police resources that, that get postponed very unclear on all that those are bridges that will cross when we get to them um but i guess shuban i want to start with you because you know you're closest to this obviously what's <laughs> you know give us your thoughts on the postponement and all of this kind of stuff going on obviously it's it's unprecedented in in terms of all of our lifetimes where where something like this would happen well, and yeah, it, would, it would postpone yeah. games yeah i mean obviously i mean so i'm trying to think i mean actually around you was talking about this before i think when 9 11 happened i don't remember i think there were armbands and everything else i don't remember games being postponed or anything like that and for me damn it i feel sorry that yeah, her match, her, her match, Elizabeth second has passed. But, and, you know, someone's also say grandma, great grandma, mother, whatever. But for me, it doesn't really make a line bit of difference. So I'm just carrying on my day, carrying on things as normal. So, but uh, no, obviously, look, 70 years, she is the longest reigning monarch ever in the, in the history of the United Kingdom. So, yeah, clearly there is going to be an effect that has to be marked. That's something that, that we do we do in England. We do try and mark history, which obviously for Americans is probably not something you guys want to talk about. But um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's something we do. Like I said, you know what? Well, it's annoyed me a little bit because some things were cancelled. Like, so Her Majesty was a big fan of horse racing. I absolutely loved horse racing. Really was a big fan of the nags. And that was cancelled. And that makes sense. She was a huge patron of horse racing. And that's gone on. But like, something like cricket, rugby, that's continued. Um, the Savannah, the, the boxing matches, uh, was it Christian Savannah Marshall? That the golf tournament fun. as well, just outside of London this, this weekend. Yeah. That's continuing. And I, I can understand it. Look, it's 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 not. I mean, let's face. I mean, basically, after her husband uh, Prince Philip died, it was always like, do you know what? She, we don't know how long she's got left, and so there's always going to be like, that's not what's going to happen. Blah blah blah. But as you don't know, actually in England, we actually had a new prime minister that was announced. And then about a day later, you know, the Queen obviously, you know, she obviously passed away. And what has to happen to have to be for the between new Prime Minister, the Prime Minister has to ask the Queen will actually ask the Prime Minister to form a new government. And that's just a formality, it's nothing legal, it's just something that we do. And then that happened, and then a day later she was found apparently she had serious ill health, and the day after she passed. But like I said, 
there's a lot of, a lot of resentment because, and I said this before, like people say, oh, you know what, there's going to be police resources. They've known about this. There is hundreds of thousands of police officers. No matter what the Conservative government has done in cutting the police forces down, they, they, yeah, they still manage to find police around. So they will be able to do it. So I think, and if there was like an assertion, oh, you can't have it because it's in London, that will cause another shitstorm as well. Because they'll say, wait a minute, we're the capital. We, London pays the most of the police budget. So we're like, we're, we're, we're to pay for it twice. So I can just imagine there being another shitstorm as well. So like I said, um, I'm going to be very respectful because there are a lot of wireless and two people who care about it. And if, you, if that's your thing, go for it. Right. But um, like I said, I have nothing, but I said, my condolences to her family, but condolences to anyone that passes away. So yeah, but in terms of, it's, it's, it is a huge momentous history for, for me, obviously. Uh, for those who don't know, post boxes in the UK all have, um, what should I call it, her, her name on it. Um, so I was I was very lucky to be friends with um, uh, one of the, well, John White, who's, who, who she died, died in 63. But her, her, I got to be friends with um, his widow. And she's he, one of the Spurs players died. I think Peter Baker, and then she was telling me about him, and he was he was so excited because I was oh my God, I get to meet the Queen, I get to meet the Queen, because back in those days, and even for many years continuing, it would be hand a member of royalty, generally the Queen would hand over their fake up, and like I said the Queen was innovative, and she was you know her father came into our lives because basically through through the wireless back in the thirties, and then obviously the Queen because it was. It was for those of you who don't know, when she was coronated, they were like, it was no, no coronation were ever televised. The Queen changed that. And so she did change a lot of things that happened. You may not notice it, but she did change it a few things. So, um, no, I said, I'm glad, I'm glad they are marking it because it is part of my history. But um, no, I'm hoping that we go back to business as normal because that was what the royal yeah. family is all about. When, when, when basically there's a, there's a saying in England, look, the king is dead, long live the king. The idea is that it's business as usual. So do you know what? Let's right. go. Let's be as business as usual, and let's continue with that because that was her legacy. That business of England has to carry on. And obviously, you know, I appreciate all those thoughts. Obviously, and and this is like not something that we as Americans are going to understand or be able to comprehend on the same level. Um, there's a lot of you know, a lot of weird comparisons being made out there on the internet is this, is this, this is not, you can't really compare this to anything. It's, it's like I said, it's kind of unprecedented in all of our lifetimes because of the length of, of her reign. And, and there's just a, I don't know, this is a weird thing for us to even try to dive into and talk about because like, like I said, we don't fully comprehend or understand it. Um, so there's going to be a lot of things said that we, we say with all sensitivity, but also not, you know, not yeah. non not non-full comprehension of the situation. Yeah, the only thing that, that we can really say on this, Andrew, is condolences where they apply, and you know res- respects as 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 best we can to the customs and to the traditions of a country in which we don't live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's kind of that's kind of as as Americans, that's kind of where it stops. Now, as Premier League fans, you, you say shit. Uh, you know, like you know, Crouchy Peter Crouch came out and said you know black yeah. armbands but you know play the british national anthem moments of silence like, like yeah i've actually that. i actually i'm glad you brought up the peter crouch tweet because i wanted to read it in full because i have it right here Please do. It saved peter crouch yesterday i thought summed this up really well um and obviously this is not coming from a a, a you know unbeknownst american opinion this is coming from peter crouch he from said i know it's only English international <laughs> right he said he said quote i know it's only a game and some things are much bigger but imagine all our games went ahead this weekend 
black armbands, silence is observed, national anthem, royal band playing, etc., to the millions around the world watching. Isn't that a better send-off? End quote. I just think that would have been great. But also, I can't say that I am like super dissatisfied or angry with the way that this went because it's not something I fully get. Am I a little frustrated? And am I going to be frustrated when they have to reschedule this fixture and maybe next weekend's later in the season and it makes things a lot more stressful on the team? Yeah, but that's also kind of a selfish place for me to think about coming from just because I don't really get it all, you know? I, I don't yeah. know. I look at I it like throw this. my hands up in this situation. I, 100%. I look at it like this. The, this. the The sport that we follow, the team that we follow is in the English Premier League. And the Queen of England just passed away. Right. If there's any point in time where the English Premier League is going to show an observed reverence by not playing matches, it's this weekend. So as much as I agree with Peter Crouch, because I absolutely do, and I think that the Queen, by her own admission, was a big football fan, I think she would have loved if they if they played with the black armbands and gave her moments of silence and observances throughout. But I don't know her, so whatever. That's my perception. Uh, what I would also say is that I hope that we're able to go forward next week and thank Christ Spurs are in the Champions League so we get to talk about a game on Tuesday. Yeah. And, and, you know, Peter, Peter Crouch had the good tweet. I also saw another one from that goofball Arlo white, who I don't like anymore because he left Fuck for that the, guy. The, the Saudi tour, but he had a good tweet in the same vein of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Cause I don't really care that much, but good. Um, you know, I don't know. Car- Caroline, what's your, what's your take on this? I know you've got a lot of opinions on this matter. Yeah. I'll, I'll save my personal opinions about the monarchy <laughs> and all that. Cause frankly, I don't think anyone cares, but yeah. Well, and also um, no, to your point though, it's, it, that's a fair opinion to have if you have different opinions about the monarchy, but also can, re- you know, right. reverence, first. Someone, yeah. reverence and, and also we all realize that have different asked. opinions. Bingo. It's, it's I love fine. that. Uh, my main frustration is just that the decision about whether or not to go ahead with the games was left down to the leagues, like the individual leagues and the Premier League still decided to do this, knowing that we have the World Cup coming up and how difficult it's going to be, especially for teams like Tottenham that are in European competition to yeah. reschedule those games. So, you know, I, I disagree with the decision. I'm also very disappointed that the opening match day for the Women's Super League was yep. postponed as a result of this. Um, I have been looking forward to this weekend for, you know, weeks and weeks and very disappointed that I did not get to watch Spurs women this morning. And, you know, I really hope that when they reschedule those games, that the ones that were meant to be at the the main stadiums like ours was, are actually able to be played there because they've sold tickets yeah. and there's a lot of excitement around the fixtures. So I hope they, they still get to do justice to them. Yeah, it would be, it would be nice if that all still came through. I, I totally agree with you. And I was, was feeling the same way. I was fully prepared to, you know, get up extra early this morning out here on the West coast and watch that, that opening game. Cause that would have been a really cool scene. Um, and that of course the women's super league gets wiped away too, by this, these po- postponements uh, throughout the country. Um, I, you know, there has been some scuttlebutt that UEFA is actually going to step in and pressure the Premier League to play all the games next weekend because they want to keep the integrity of the, the European competitions midweek Um the feeling that that English clubs would get an unfair advantage if they were resting on the weekends for, for consecutive weekends. And honestly, I can't really blame UEFA for that either. Like I get that point and I get that getting all these games rescheduled is just going to be complicated. Um, but at the same time, these are things that are, 
you know, really out of, out of control. I think that the other real bummer of the, of the postponement. Um, and again, I use that word bummer in the most sensitive way, but like the bummer of it too, is that it, it came like a day and a half before the game was supposed to start. Uh, or maybe even less than that in some cases. And that for people who have traveled, uh, and spent money on hotels and, and flights and this kind of like that, that really kind of sucks for, for all those folks who, you know, are, are traveling to games and, and they're getting wiped out for this, this scenario. But it's just a, like I said, it's a tough situation all around to kind of even get into. Um, I, I don't know. It, I, I'm not sure what else can be said other than the fixture congestion is going to be, uh, wild and, as if it already wasn't wild with a you know a freaking world cup in the middle of the season like you said caroline it's, it sucks go ahead shoes i can say one thing though i'm very glad that so my friend kimmy um who you guys may know from the Cosmos podcast who i'm going to be seeing in queens later on in, in november she came over for her first few games at the at the spurs round and it's the first time i think to london the first time obviously at the spurs stadium and she got to see two wins and just to see the joy in her face pre and post it's something that I'm, I'm, i feel bad for those people that like for the spurs ladies games um there were so many tickets sold out for that for the spurs versus manu i think manu have got to ellen tombs so she's the one that scored in the in the final and they've got like a bunch of players um there's a lot of interest in the nld match uh, nothing to do with possible sabotage attempts of the plumbing at, at, at the Emirates. Nothing to do with that at all. But um, no, like I said, there's yeah, there's a lot of interest. But like I said, if these things happen, these things happen. It's unfortunate. Um, but like I said, I'm just hoping that there is any football. I mean, I, I, if if I can't imagine if you wait for probably they're gonna like I don't know. So they what, what we call they basically in England if you want to get something done. But uh, you want to get an opinion out there, but not actually put it officially. You leak it. So I think UEFA will probably leak the idea of like let's just you know let's we should we should ask England to not postpone so it makes it sporting integrity. So if that happens, yeah. But I don't know. But I think it's an interesting thing though because generally this would be. I mean, I can't imagine how many dignitaries are going to be flying in from all over the world for this funeral. I mean, this is going to be probably the biggest state funeral in my lifetime that I can think of. So not just because um, not just because just to put it in context, um, the, I think there are presidents who served that during um, uh, her, her, her reign that are now dead. That is oh, plenty, of, plenty, of, plenty of them. Pre- 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 so many presidents and like so not just the US president. So if you, if you multiply that for across the EU, everything else, Commonwealth. So it's just going to be absolutely humongous. So I would be very much doubtful that you would pipe up. I think. Uh, uh, this is probably, you know, probably the most famous person that we have in England outside of Harry Kane. And um, like I said, if the fact that she's passed is a huge thing and, you know, her funeral and everything else will be a huge occasion. And so that will take precedence over everything. And we just see what happens next. Yeah. And that funeral was set uh, for Monday, September 19th. So Monday after this coming Monday. Uh, so, you know, th- and that, and that kind of does remain to be seen what happens with the Leicester match next weekend. Um, if the Leicester game is postponed, Spurs are still going to play their, their UEFA matches midweek. Um, you know, they have the, the game against sporting this coming week, but then the next match after that would then be Arsenal on October 1st. If, if the Leicester match does indeed get postponed, which is, 
quite interesting to say the least. I mean, that would, uh, you know, with an international break thrown in there as well, which is also very strange that they're even having one of those when you're interrupting a season with a world cup. Uh, I don't know why we couldn't have done away with the international break, but that's me just adding a a little diatribe there. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all an extremely weird situation to say the least. And um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of put a pin in it there and see what comes of it in the coming week. But um, do you guys want to move on and talk about, the the marseille match because i think this is you know what we what we would really like to be potting about is is football matches and now we get to um this was a really fun match i thought a really interesting and extremely compelling and just a great return to the champions league for spurs um todd i want to i want to come to you first because watching this game to me i felt like i was being influenced by the broadcasters over here in the States watching it. Uh, Because if you watch this game in the first half, Marseille were dominant and they just were all over Spurs and they, they were, they were cream of the crop of of Europe all of a sudden. Um, And then, you know, a red card early in the second Spurs take a little while to, to, to get on their feet, but get two goals on a brace from a Charleston. And I'm thinking, wow, Spurs were really lucky. But then when you go back and watch the game without the commentary, which I did and look at the statistics, Spurs actually kind of dominated this game. Did they not? Yeah. I, uh, I don't watch the broadcast commentary on um, Paramount plus or whatever we get over here. Um, it is the, the, definition of uh hot fucking garbage they put us out in a 442 <laughs> when they line yeah, us up on the was, they're asshats they have no idea what the say, shit they're talking about is garbage i i will say todd to to be fair i will i will defend them in this in this moment that As you always sheet, do when we're talking no, about the media no 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 hey how dare you first of all because i started this segment <laughs> by criticizing the media secondly that sheet is given out by uefa so that is not on Paramount Plus slash CBS slash the Champions Yes, it fucking is because if I if you've ever done a broad like you check you do your fucking homework and any ounce of homework leads you to go these guys don't play a four four two what the fuck are well, we doing? Here? They didn't say that on the broadcast, but they showed the graphic that so. Anyway, it doesn't, I'm just what, excusing what I was, what I'm I just excusing saying, the broadcasters for that very specific thing, but I've derailed you. Go on. That's fine. The whole point is I don't know if it was. Uh, you know where, what when it was is is when we lost the Champions League final. The one thing that I've noticed is everybody was kind of holding their breath because the Spurs won the Champions League final. Nobody could say shit to them ever, ever, ever again, and we didn't. And it was almost like the entirety of the media world exhaled and it was like, "God, I fucking told you those guys always bottle bullshit." And ever since then, it's just been like Spurs are the quintessential. Um, it's not villain. Villain's not the right world. It's the quintessential also ran in the mind of the media. And it's like, they'll never be talked about despite their players, individual players. They'll never be talked about in the, uh, in the same breath as uh, even, a, you know, I don't want to throw out any other team names, but what I'll say is they won't be mentioned in the same breath, despite current form as any of the other teams that are around them in the table. I uh, I very rarely regret asking a question uh, on on this podcast, but I just totally I, I totally started off I totally started off that segment 
uh, with a with a media criticism that I did not intend to, and you know that's on me. I will wear that one. Uh, but it does. I, I will. I will transition it this way. Caroline, did you feel like Spurs <laughs> dominated this game? Because in watching it, it might not feel that way, but statistically, they kind of did. Statistically, they did. I think the way it felt to me was kind of similar to some of the Premier League games that we've had this season where it felt like we were not getting out of first gear. Um, you know, we were solid. We, I didn't feel like we were in huge danger ever of conceding, so that was not a problem. But I also felt like we were holding something back. And I, you know, part of me wonders if Conte had his eye on the weekend when we were supposed to have been playing against City. And I, I'm not saying he literally told the guys to, you know, take it easy, but it kind of felt that way to me. <laughs> Well, there's definitely been a trend of us growing into games throughout this season. That too. Yeah, we that haven't that had continued. our first halves have tended to be a little lackluster. Yeah, Scotty, this is kind of I'm 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 realizing this in in a very slow way, but through watching this season, this feels to me, and I've heard this comparison made, so don't don't think that I'm coming up with this on my own, but I've heard this team compared to Jose Ball, but you can tell that there's something different about it because it's less hold on to your butts and it's more be controlled without the ball, be more solid defensively so that you're not allowing great chances. And it's still a lot of the, the hit them on the counter football though. It's still a lot of it. There's, there's skeletal remains of what we saw under Jose. Am I wrong about thinking about it in, in that kind of way? I mean, I, I don't think, Probably yes is my truthful answer to that. I don't. I don't think it's that similar. I think. I think what we're seeing right now is just Conte. Conte wanting to. Really, just sit back and observe, and and kind of play chess with the opponent in the first half, and then make a tactical adjustment to go and win the second half. And I think like, as long as we're going into half level preferably nil nil i think conte feels pretty good right anything more than that is perfect right and but uh, but i but no i just i don't think we're even playing defensive football i think we're just playing very italian football honestly <laughs> i like that well but that's don't those two standard. things kind of go those go one, uh, one same hand in hand yeah right? kind of but i don't know i think italian italian defense is is very very tactical in nature it's not so much like have the ball and we're going to defend. It's very much right. we're controlling with right. the ball, right? Like you yes. got you, like you just said, Andrew. So yeah, good shout. But I just think like it's different. I think it's just Conte. And honestly, Conte's Chelsea team never really got out of first year ever. At least when I watched them, right? It's just, I think that just kind of against us, look, right? Yeah, well, that, that's different. That's emotion, I think, more than anything. But I think like Conte's Conte's teams may not never look like they're getting out of gear because maybe they're not really intended to like look that way in, in some sense. But no, I mean, I think we're we're in complete control of matches. I mean, and I think you guys are saying we controlled the game, but it doesn't look like we controlled the game. We had 49% possession, but we had 18 shots on target to their nine, and we had 21 yeah. shots inside the box, so they're like six, right? Yeah. Um, I do have stats, right? I, I will pull you, them you, out. From time and you know, to time. and you know something. I'm checking you on them, and you're you're very accurate stats. Did you also very want to accurate, note the XG? Yeah. Were you were you? A fan of I don't look at that shit. Nah, <laughs> real. He's talking about real stats, Andrew, not made up yeah. stats. The no, it's, um, game, no, the XG in this game was 1.47 to Spurs and 0. 0.40 
to Marseille. So that that speaks to and, and, a more dominant performance than it looked like on paper. Yes, thank you. And and basically to tie it all back, like that's how Conte is going to play. Like it might not look like we're in control of the game, but we outshot them by double and triple inside the box. Like we beat the shit out of them. Yeah, um, it, we're still not finishing. Like, and I talked about this in the last pod. Like, it still looks like we're not finishing at at the the clip that we should. I think Richarlison getting off the mark, which obviously come on to here, is massive in yeah. getting him going. But I mean, you know, we we still haven't seen Sonny hit stride. Um, you know, it's something where I think Kulusevski's cooled a little bit, um, despite how well he's playing in terms of production. Things have, have clamped down a little bit for him. Um, I think Kane is something where we're st- we're seeing numbers, but they're more uh, sporadic than maybe we want them to be. Uh, so I think, again, we're still kind of growing a little bit into this season. And I think when we do, this team has the opportunity to do pretty impressive things. Uh, Todd, well, I'm really glad you brought some of those names up because, you know, I didn't even really go over the lineup for this match uh, before we started talking about it. I, I thought it was kind of interesting, not surprising, but interesting that you do get another Richarlison start and Kulisevsky remained on the bench. Um, and I, I found the kind of some of the rotation on the left side of the defense interesting too with Perisic coming back in which again not super unexpected but then Longley starting over over Davis once again um and us being able to see a little bit more of the you know this did not feel like West Ham a week a week a week prior where there was no ability to get the ball out playing it out from the back and there was you know th- this felt a little bit more free flowing a little more counter attacking and while the big chances you're right. Are not being taken. They're still we're still getting them, just not a ton of them. And we're not uh, giving up very many big chances. We're not. On we're, the other we're, end we're really. Yeah, we're really. We're really not giving up any practically. Exactly. Right. I think in the lineup is where you saw Conte's preparation for Saturday in an attempt to play Man City. I think having Kulisevsky starting on Saturday and having Sessegnon be able to fight I, whatever winger I they're throwing right. at us is is a hundred percent. And Ben Davies starting uh, in the back three as well. Yeah, the thing is, Walker was injured for, well, if the game had happened, it was very unlikely that Walker would have started. So you want somebody who's got that pace to really attack whoever Walker's replacement wasn't going to be. But, I mean, when, when you're watching that game, Richarlison, he was trying a lot of what they call round the corners, and they just weren't coming off. But one of them did, and they'd go through. But I think the most telling thing is Conte sent out the players with a flea in the area about five minutes early. I haven't seen yeah. that kind of stuff that happened for a long time. I, I mean, I can't, I can't even remember. I can't even remember. I mean, I don't know the last one was. I mean, Scotty, you're, you're the stats guy. I'm sure you know better than I will. But um, I can't even remember the last time that happened. Well, and so that's actually where I wanted to go to next because what, if you're watching the broadcast, like I like I started this segment talking about, you would be under the impression that Spurs played really, really terribly. And I don't think they did in the first half when you go back and watch it. I thought they played uh in a, in a moment where they weren't really executing offensively and getting the job obviously the, the the game was scoreless so they they had not executed in the proper way offensively it it's interesting to me though whether or not they would have because you don't really get the good impression as to whether or not they would have or could have broken through because they end up going a man up after the uh the the penalty and i completely am going to preface this by saying of course drawing that penalty drawing that red card rather not the penalty but the red card is a part of your offensive attack your offense and your superiority in that moment is what earned you that advantage for the rest of the half for what was it about 40 minutes i think uh if if i remember correctly um 
but I'm I'm really curious as to whether or not they would have been able to get that advantage on level terms. I'm glad they didn't have to. And even in the moments between the red card and when Richarlison's first goal came about, there was a little bit of a gap there in time. So I don't know. C- Caroline, what's your thoughts on that part of it? Because to me, I'm like, would they have definitely broken through if it was level? Or was this a, a win based on being able to play a man up for so long? I don't necessarily think that either of our goals uh, from Richarlison came about because of having that man advantage. So I would probably say it, it was not hugely influential in that sense. I, okay, I don't know. They both, they both, they both, no, the, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The first goal, he was entirely unmarked in the middle of the box. That's all. That's the only thing I would say. Yeah. I mean, the second goal, I, the second goal he fought and it was a great ball from Pierre. But I, I tend to, I tend, but do you think I tend to disagree too because of the man not being there, or because well, if you've got a, if you've got an right, extra man right. on the pitch, it's no, 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 easier to, to defend a set piece. That well, that's what I'm talking about. Is I that when like you watch someone that they should have had someone marking regardless of their personnel situation? You know what I mean? You're right. Like, I do. Was, what happens? The it, defender example, got caught in no man's land because it was he had a, he had a man in front of him and he had Richarlison on his hip and when the ball came in he took a step towards the man in front of him and Richarlison ended up all by his god bless him lonesome which was incredible for us okay yeah i just feel like it becomes easier to defend a set piece when you have the same amount of players as the other team i mean i i know that sounds simplistic and i'm not meaning to be like disagreeable in that fashion but i just like on a on a most basic level i get what you're saying caroline like their tactics were in place there to where they should have had every man defended and it was poorly defended. But I think that becomes easier when you have the same amount of players as the other team, you know, like I said, on the most basic of terms, but you know, those two goals, you know, I don't know when the first one came, I was like, okay, great. We're going to, we're going to win this game. But also there was a part of me in the back of my mind was like, okay, well we've at least guaranteed ourselves a point here because there's still a chance and they were still producing some chances late. Uh, Marseille was, you know, coming down and, and getting decent looks. I just, I will continually go back to this is a, a, a three points earned because they earned that ability to have the extra man by drawing a red card foul. Um, but at the same time, I wonder would, would they have earned it had they not gotten that bit of fortune that they, of course, created for themselves? I don't know. Well, it's something with them, um, think with um, Marseille though, because the guy who was running who was their manager before quit. I think two, three weeks before the start yeah. of the season because he wasn't getting Correct. the resources he wanted. And if you look at that Marseille squad, it's mostly like, oh, do you remember him from the Premier League? Do you remember him from the Premier League? And we're like, <laughs> there, were, there, were, there, were, there was about four ex Arsenal players or something. And like West Ham, yeah. like, was it, it was like hey, do I hate Tottenham? Yes, Tom Don't John Marseille or something. Because uh, I think Alexis Sanchez, he was injured or suspended or something. Uh, Payet was injured or something like that. But like I said, I mean, this. Well, I think when we discussed this on, you know, we actually got the group stages, this was the quote-unquote difficult tie on paper. Marseille, I think, are second or third in the French League. Now, whatever your thoughts are in the French League, whatever, but they are still a very capable side. And um, they have, well, I think we'll come on to it, but they've got a very vociferous support. I mean, you know, I, I I don't. There's one thing I don't understand. It's the ultras, the concept of ultras. We don't have that in England. We we just beat the shit out of you. But you know that's what we do, really. But kind of thing. But apparently they, the French have, you know, the French Italians have a name for it. They call them ultras. But yeah, like I said, I, that was that was the only thing I was a bit worried about. 
Yeah, we can come on to that right now if you want and then get back to talking about the game. But there was, of course, an incident in this match where a bunch of the Marseille supporters removed uh, the pride flag in the corner uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, kind of around where the, the visiting supporters sit. Um, I know there were people saying that it was just because the, the Spurs logo was on it. I- I'm sorry, not buying that bullshit. No, uh, I'm simply bollocks. not. Absolutely bollocks. Um, and it's a it's a despicable act, honestly. And I, I, I don't think I need to go further than that. Uh, everyone knows kind of where we stand on those and matters. I think that's, that's really heavily secured. I mean, do you know what I think? When I go into the Spurs ground, as an away fan, whatever, as a home fan, sorry, I get incredibly searched. My whole bag, everything gets searched. They had fireworks and they haven't managed. I mean, that thing is heavily secured. How the hell are they able to rip that off? Either they are on steroids or something, but they were able to rip that off. How that was possible, I have no idea. Where the hell were the stewards? Where the hell were the coppers? Do you know what I mean? I'd like to know what that, what that, what the hell, what the hell was going on there, because there were there were there were people there with their kids. I mean, so those you don't know, last this week was basically sending your kids back to school. It's September. It's when you start official school term. But obviously, a lot of kids were, you know, it's the Champions League. A lot of parents were taking the kids out anyway, and this would have been for, for many young children. This would have been their first Champions League. Especially at that end, which is the um, um, the East Stand, that's more of a family stand, and so a lot of people would have brought their families to that. So, the, so for those you don't know, the four stand, South Stand, which is the Park Lane end, is basically you stand throughout for it. The West Stand, East Stand, uh, and the North tend to be for more families, especially the West, the East Stand as well. So there were people in there with families, and there might there might be kids there that will never want to go to a game again because they were in front of the shit out of. And I'm, I'm sorry, but the police, what the hell they were doing and the stewards, what they're doing, I don't know, because that should never have been allowed to even happen. As a as an official proud champion and, and partner to Proud Lily Weiss, the podcast, you know, not myself, the podcast and and of course myself as well. Right. But but uh, for the for the sake of my point here, you know, we do we do want to make sure that people know we feel as a podcast that that kind of stuff is unacceptable and. It's disappointing, and I think for me personally, the biggest issue is is you know people bringing hatred into the beautiful game and soccer that should be such a celebrated and, and happy thing, right? I, I can't I can't decide for other people if they choose to have hatred in their life, but like keep it the fuck out of soccer and especially you know Tottenham Hotspur, please. Um, it's just it's disappointing. So you know I hope for better, and you know I hope that. Uh, you know, Tottenham can continue to take the high road with some of this stuff and continue to push some of the agendas that we are, we are seeing from the club because until more clubs do that kind of stuff, it's not going to stop. So. And I think Siobhan was right to point out that it has kind of a chilling effect on who feels safe attending games. And, you know, there, there are a lot of clubs like Marseille, um, like Nice. We also saw this, this midweek um, that have kind of reputations for this kind of behavior. And it's sad to see. And UEFA has, has a responsibility to do something about it. Unfortunately, um, I can vividly remember during the last men's euros, they handled the, the subject of um, displays of pride very poorly. So I don't feel confident that they're going to actually do anything about it, but We'll see. Can I ask? Uh, I don't know if this has happened, but I know I said hungry. But, no, that was hungry. But were there was there a club that basically they like basically told they had to play the game behind closed doors because of their homophobic attitudes. I don't know if this ever happened, but I'm hoping that if UEFA, if they're going to do something useful, don't tell us when we can have our funerals and when we can have our pictures. 
but this is something that's happened because when you go this is when 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 there's a UEFA competition in any Spurs in any Premier League ground any ground that becomes property of UEFA all their banners everything else all their marketing and so they have no problem taking the money but just what take responsibility for people you allow in and say do you know what if you cannot handle your business if you can't handle or control your fans guess what you cannot have fans in your stadium that's how we're going to punish you sorry i fully agree no don't be sorry i fully agree uh it's 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 ridiculous and uh it's something that we're gonna have to keep on top of with both you know clubs and confederations and and governments really i mean i mean there's a certain responsibility here uh on leaderships uh, all around so they they need to to come through with it um, oh by the way sorry i don't you know what i don't want to say because richardson i don't know if you guys saw on bt sport uh the pictures of him crying with his dad and just, it just was... steal, just steal my transition, Shuban. Just steal it. <laughs> sorry, just sorry, you want to? I, I can, I can email you the rundown if you want to. <laughs> no, you're good, man. I'm just messing no, with you. because thing is, because here's the thing, right? Because I've so I've actually got home been to obviously having been uh, home, my parents are from uh, are from the third world like Brazil is. So having seen the poverty that he could have grown up in, and having seen the journey he might have had to make. Um just to see that fact that because that was not, not only it was his champions league that was his european debut he'd never played in europe for everton yep. or watford and to see him in the the, the level of sacrifice it takes so yeah, i mean i don't know if richardson has any siblings or something because the reason oh. i mentioned that is because uh, the reason is it's a texas thing because i think when clint dempsey was coming up he had real trouble young professional because he has siblings therefore he had trouble getting the support he needed to come pro and so, so, so if that's in Texas, imagine what it's like in Brazil. And but he did it, he made it. And to see it, I mean, do you know what? So one of my one of my best mates uh, from Arizona, lovely guy Jake. We we gush about Rafa Nadal. And what we like about Rafa Nadal is that he just got Spurs. And Richarlison, he just gets Spurs. Whether it's yeah. the way he plays or the way he likes to kick the shit out of people, that's that's a Spurs thing you know that shit housing that's spurs and he gets it and you know obviously i was at the fulham i was at the fulham game when unfortunately he didn't open his open his account but the way he celebrated the sheer joy of football and that's what van der was about he was just about the joy of football and richarlison has that in spades and i'm glad to see that on the pitch that's so awesome man i uh as as a dad um, my favorite part about that was the only thing that he cared about when he went over to the stands was burying his head in his dad's chest. And like, he could just see the pride on that man's face, by the way, looking very, very, very suave for being Richarlison's dad, Richarlison's <laughs> dad. Uh, but, uh, no, it was, it was really, really cool to see that, um, how much it meant to him and how much it meant that he did it in lily white it was really cool yeah i was really so was... by all, all the scenes as well sorry scott go ahead no i i was gonna just talk about <laughs> how Richarlson factors into the next game so i about i about just tried to transition us for you so it seems like well, no no, no we're not done today. talking about yeah so, we're not talking about we're not done talking about Richarlison yet uh it was yeah. I, I think the cooler part of not cooler but one of the cooler parts of his two goals were that they were so similar. Like 
they just they got the they got the first goal as we talked about he was unmarked beautiful header uh and then they just went back to the well and did the same fucking thing and did it again and it was like oh we're 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 really taking you know it was 5 minutes later and you know i i wanted to to mention too the idea that you know the two assists came off the feet of Perisic and Hoybier who balled out in this game. I thought both were really, really good. Um, and, and not to mention, you know, Todd, you, you brought up Sonny's name earlier. I thought Sonny was really good in this game as well. I think we're finally starting to see some of these players like, Oh hell yeah. Like let's, let's get on a run here. That's another reason why this postponement kind of sucks. Cause you feel like it, it might, you know, stunt some kind of momentum, but um, for Sonny to have still not got, not gotten off the off the score sheet, but for him to draw that that red card and for him to play as well, for guys like Perisic to keep putting balls into the box like he has been, uh, for Hoybier to be contributing goals this early in the season, it's like there there there's a there's a there's really something you can see here. There's there's something cooking, and I really like all of that. And it was I think we all wanted to see the, the next one is Son. We wanted to see Richarlison get off the mark, and it's like it was really cool to see. Now it's Sonny's turn. Like I'm ready for Sonny to bag a brace in the next game and be everybody to just be off and running because like it's it's really good shit at this point. So I might actually break down in tears when Sun finally scores this season. <laughs> I'm gonna be like Richarlison's dad, you know, just proud of him. <laughs> That's awesome. He's here, he's there, he's every fucking where. Hoy yeah, hoy yeah. My guy was a G yet again. I'm telling you. He does not get enough run. He gets way too much stick. No mixing cement. Just banging in goals and assists. Let's fucking go. Yeah, it's been what's fun to watch. About, sure. Yeah, what's interesting about Hoyvier and Benteker for that matter is like we we still are never going to be a team who who wants a ton of the ball. And I think that's why you see guys like Tongi and Gio just like frozen out regardless of their attitudes and shit. Right. They're Who? just like, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, but I mean, regardless of how bad they wanted anything, like they're really, really not suited for the game we play, which is shield the defense. Right. But, well, what I'm seeing now is like Hoybier is learning how to get involved in the counter. And he's like, he's not a possession based, like, pick the strings attacking midfielder, but he's learning how to be involved in the attack through the break. Mm-hmm. And that's super exciting. Benteker is as well. But I think what, what, what we're seeing is like that we're, we're becoming capable of hitting teams on a bunch of different angles, right? Like we can, we can use the wingbacks. We we're finding a way to carve teams up the middle through the counter. If you want to just give Kane and Sun the ball and just tell them to go try to score, like we can always do that. Right. I think, We've got a lot of ways to approach our offense and none of them require us like having a ton of the ball. So I think again, not to bring up our earlier conversation, but it just seems like we're going to continue to see these matches where, where we, we don't, you know, uh, I guess visually look like we're, 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 we're outplaying the other team, but we absolutely are. And we're just going to find ways to, to score. And I think the progression is that we're getting those different angles and different ways to develop our attack because for a while it was just find that space out wide and, and our finishing wasn't great. Right. I think it threw Kane and Sun off even a little bit, but we're starting to figure all of that out. By the way, I'm saying that's about Dumbele. I don't think, I don't want to give Decanio, who's a known fascist, any kind of credit, but he came up with this really interesting quote about Tom and Dumbele. It's like, 
a nice fancy you to walk on water, but at least swim in it a little bit. Mm. And I think the fact that he that and that's how it's coming to Canio. You know I mean, he's not exactly known for being the hardest worker. Do you know I mean? And it just says, I'm so glad that we have got rid of some bad eggs out of the club. I'm so, you know, and yes, yeah, I say that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't want to drag the guy anymore. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll just, leave, we'll just leave it where it is on, on Tongi, Kaz. And to get back to PEH, I think his past selection has been so much better this season. And we've been mm-hmm. saying, you know, for a while now that we wanted to see more of like the Denmark Pierre um, coming into the Spurs side. And I feel like he, he's doing that this season. Um, he is more involved in the attack. And long may it continue. Long may it continue. Yeah, I wasn't going to touch the Tongi quotes from this week, but <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a road, the road that was traveled down and has now been abandoned. So we can, mm. I think, abandon it as well uh scott how does richarlison play into the next game let's go back to that because thank where you I want to go next is let's talking see. about uh sporting coming up this week uh again the premier league postponements uh, will not affect uefa games um so spurs have a match on tuesday against sporting club portugal who rolled in their first match against frankfurt uh same day that spurs played marseille so scott how does uh <laughs> My long-winded way of saying, how does Richarlison fit into the next game? No, I think that I had I kind of joked about it in the chat, but I think Richarlison's given Conte a little bit of a of a of a selection issue moving forward up top, and that's a very positive thing. Like we wanted to get there as fast as possible, and we we found ourselves where we wanted to be quickly. Right? I think as I look to put my team sheet together, regardless of what competition, who we're playing, right? Kane and Son are there always. You'll, you'll never hear me say anything other than that. Kane and Son play when they're fit, right? And I think Kulisevsky needs to play, and I think Richarlison needs to play because of his momentum, right? So I'm very interested to see what happens. Like, if I if it's me, I, I sit Kulisevsky as harsh as that is, and I let Richarlison ride his momentum. I think that's very important for, like, the longevity of the season. But the interesting thing about to, to be relevant to, to the match, right? I think the interesting thing about sporting is they are definitely going to play a defensive style of, of football and, and look to, to carve us through our gaps. And I think what concerns me about sporting a little bit is when our left and right center back join the attack, like that's a space that I think sporting will look to card. They did against Frankfurt. Um, so yeah, I think we're it might be a more of a challenging match than we realize, and I think we're gonna have to find a way to carve through a more defensive team, which will be interesting for this team, I think, you know, to leave it at that. Something that I had not realized that I did not mention when we did our pod a couple weeks ago after the draw was that all four of the teams in this group play a back three. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. something that we had prior prior discussed, but it is I an was interesting... kind of curious. It's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting clash of, you know, you don't always see teams playing a back three, especially four of them in the same uh, Champions League group. Um, so I do think that's something, you know, if, you, if anybody watched the, the Eintracht sporting game and I watched the highlights and got a real vibe for how that game went, it felt very even and very even that Eintracht was playing really, really well. And sporting got two goals in a matter of moments. The first one from former Spur Marcus Edwards. Um who and then kind of just rolled from there. They had gone up. Well, he provided nil. the assist for the second one too, by the way. 
Exactly. And and then they scored another one, you know, 15 or so minutes later to make it three. So they won that match three nil, but I don't think the score indicated how good Frankfurt played. And uh, but I do think I, I think, Scott, I think you're right. Sporting is going to be a challenge, even though, you know, it's on the on the on paper, the the level shouldn't be that that high. But uh, Shuban, what do you what do you kind of see from from this sporting club? I'm not I'm not sure what to entirely what to expect other than I think Marcus Edwards is going to be ironically a problem. Well, it's really weird. Like I asked about. I mean, obviously, so obviously, um, Scotty knows um, Rai, and um, obviously being Portuguese, and um, another mate of mine is a fan of um, sports of Portugal. And so basically, the nature of the Portuguese market, the Portuguese club sector, is that they have to sell basically one of their best players every year just to keep the lights on. Um, so I asked um, one of the guys I know, Mike, about Marcus Edwards because I said, like, you've seen him a lot more than I have. What do you feel? And that's what he said. I'd say give him a full season sports and see where he's at. But like I've always said with him, he has the talent, but does he have the maturity? It looks like the latter is finally there. Let's hope he's able to go from strength to strength in the full-time number 10 role. Because I think when we had him under Mario Pochettino, he was playing as a right wing forward or um, like left was right wing, but just cutting in. Um and I think he's had to go away. He's had to come and develop. And I think we think obviously Eric Dyer, obviously famous, came from the Sporting um, Academy, as to, as did um, Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo. I'd be interested to see how that goes. I mean, I, I'm really curious because I think Marcus Edwards, this is the first time I think, obviously, BT Sport will have covered him because obviously for the, I think he played for Victoria Gimmerich last year or something against Arsenal, maybe. I guess I definitely remember him saying in playing last year or the year before that. But definitely, there'll be a lot of interest in Marcus Edwards because he was someone that, you know, Richard pushing unfortunately did call similar to Messi, which probably didn't help him. He had his issues with Daniel Farker at, at Norwich City, which didn't help him. And they, I think Norwich, Norwich sent him back. And clearly, you know, they don't mind Spurs players because Norwich fans still harp on. I mean, I think you guys saw it. Um, at the same, was it when South, South Korea, somebody had a, had a skippy number, whatever. When Norwich kit or something, when, when you know, the, the guys came in. No, no, I said, look, there are so many players that I've seen come along, wonder kids, and they just fade away. Famously, we had a one-season wonder who's now a six-season wonder. Do you know what I mean? So, like I said, I'd be interested to see what Mark Edwards does. I'm hoping there isn't just, hoping there isn't, there isn't too much hype about this, because obviously there will be, and there will be, though, just BT will be interviewing him and everything like that. But, like I said, it's just about, two teams and it's not about Mark Edwards playing against his former club or Eric Dyer. It's better, but it will be built as such though. Just the way it is. Yeah, I don't I'm Marcus Edwards doesn't scare me. I, as I'm looking over the like their last three games were against besides Frankfurt were against Portomonese and Estoril, which I mean, come on. Uh they played they played Porto about four games ago or five games low and lost three nil. Uh yeah, I'm <laughs> It's Champions League, so, and it's at their you know home ground, and we seem to grow into games. And so, if we give up a cheeky goal early, it could be tough. But realistically, from top to bottom, we're better than this team. The reason why Marcus Edwards didn't make it at Spurs is because Marcus Edwards isn't good enough to make it at Spurs. I don't care how many years you give him in the fucking Portuguese league. <laughs> yeah, for the for the record, Sporting did win. Their game uh, today, Saturday, the 10th, uh, 4-0. Seven of the 11 players who started uh, against Frankfurt 
midweek this past Wednesday also started in that game. So that'll give you a little of an idea of where they are rotationally as well. And of course, Spurs coming off of almost a full week's rest from what will have been their last game. So you would expect a rest advantage and honestly, you know, a talent advantage and all of those things that go with it. Right, Caroline? Yeah. But the thing I took out from the highlights from the sporting versus Frankfurt game was that sporting were very vulnerable in defense to, you know, very prone to errors. And if we have this rest advantage, we're going to be able to press the hell out of them, force those errors. Um, It's a good opportunity for Sun to get a goal, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. It does feel like one of those matches where sporting are going to want to be aggressive with the ball and want to come at you and score. And that's that, like you said, vulnerable is the word. It's going to leave them open at the back for a a counterattack and, um, I, I, for one, cannot wait to see what, what that combination would bring. You know what I mean? I just, I'm excited for all of that. So nobody, nobody backed me up on the, on that. So I'm just going to back myself up, give myself the old pat on the back and high five. Uh, we will have at least a game to talk about next weekend. We know that much. Uh, it may not be two, but it will at least be one. Uh, and it may be two uh, again. All of these things kind of still up in the air, so we will find out, uh, and that's fine. We're, 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 we're here to talk about it when it all falls back down to earth uh, and, and stops being up in the air. How about that? Uh, you can follow Scott at DSM Spurs. You can follow Shuban at The Real Shuban. You can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. You can follow me at Aestetka. Most importantly, you can follow us at Tottenham Depot on all the socials. Find your Twitter, your Instagram, your TikToks. Rate and review on your podcast app of choice and subscribe so that when uh, we post a new episode, it drops right to you and you don't have to worry about coming and finding us and and tell a friend as well, because uh, that's much appreciated. Uh, Until next weekend, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>